Starting in March 2019, thousands of protesters took to the streets of Hong Kong to show their dislike for a law that would allow suspected criminals who had allegedly committed a crime in mainland China to be extradited from Hong Kong back to China to face trial. Some Hong Kong citizens were concerned that this law could be used against political dissidents as well as those who had committed criminal acts. Eventually, the Hong Kong government withdrew the bill, but the protests kept growing. Some demonstrations became violent, with the smashing of shops and vehicles and throwing of Molotov cocktails and other projectiles at police who were trying to restore order. The demands of protesters expanded to other issues, and despite the concessions from the Hong Kong administration, the demands kept growing, and the protests became ever more violent. The messaging of the protesters succeeded in generating fear that the government in Beijing was planning to take over control of the former British colony, despite statements from Beijing that this was not their intent. Civil disorder has continued, however, with huge economic consequences that are in fact making life for residents of Hong Kong, most of whom have not taken part in the demonstrations, worse. A Forbes report published on January 3, 2020 stated, but it ended the year with a key driver of the economy, the consumer in near total retreat. The article explained that Hong Kong's retail sector had fallen a massive 23.6% in 2019. This translates into a lower standard of living, higher unemployment, loss of investment, and a very importantly, a massive decline in reputation as a desirable place to do business. So, are the protests worth the consequence? In other countries, internal unrest is also increasing, especially in the United States, where many protests are associated with violence and civil disorder. Many believe these demonstrations are essential to achieve justice, human rights, or other objectives, and indeed some have been precipitated by very unjust acts. Yet, in the process, innocent people are hurt, and businesses that took a lifetime to build are destroyed. Of those who take part in these protests, a great number claim to be religious, calling themselves Christian. So today, I will ask the question, should a follower of the Bible take part in protest movements? Stay tuned, the answer may surprise you. Welcome back to Tomorrow's World. Today we are asking if protests are constructive or destructive forces and whether or not Christians should participate. We have already referenced the protests and riots that have occurred and to some extent are ongoing in the once tremendously prosperous area called Hong Kong. All the violence and protesting have not led to a resolution, nor have they improved conditions in Hong Kong. The very opposite has transpired. Channel News Asia, in an August 2019 article discussing the impact of the unrest on Hong Kong's economy, pointed out that in just a two-day shutdown of the Hong Kong airport due to protests, the city suffered a loss of $76 million U.S. 
Tourists and business travelers, both vital to the economy and employment, are staying away in droves. CNA states, no matter the outcome, Hong Kong is at risk of a long-term outflow of capital and loss of talent, two key ingredients to its economic success. In realistic terms, the protests, especially those that are violent, are most unlikely to achieve the desires of those involved. Yet around the world, we see the growing use of protests as attempts to produce change in policy or social conditions. Some of the demonstrations tend to be peaceful, but many more have been attended by those who willfully incite violence and destruction as a means of drawing attention and pressuring the governing authorities to use force. Most can understand the impetus behind the protests of 2020. Clearly, there has been a string of intolerable incidents on the part of law enforcement, where lethal force seems a first response instead of a last resort. The killing of Mr. Floyd in Minneapolis is one of numerous examples of harsh and differential treatment on the part of authorities. Canada is not immune to this issue, as the case of Sami Yatim in 2013 demonstrated. An obviously troubled young man with a knife, while alone on a bus surrounded by police, was shot nine times, even though he was not posing a direct threat to the public. Years ago, law enforcement in Canada prided itself in the ability to de-escalate a situation, so that minimum force was the desired response with lethal force an absolutely last resort, seldom used. Times have changed. Certainly criminal elements have become more violent and better armed. Drugs make users more prone to being unpredictable. Still, most police officers are honorable, yet a few are spoiling relationships with communities. North American culture has changed to one that in many ways accepts violence as a part of life. A culture of disrespect and rebellion has, in a drug-oriented environment, produced disrespect for authority at all levels. There are also those attempts to polarize people according to ethnicity and age, along conflicting political or social divides. Adding to the problem over the past couple of generations has been the breakdown in family structure with the accompanying lack of strong masculine leadership in the home. An overt and deliberate suppression of males and masculinity in a knowledge-diminished school curriculum is causing many young men, especially in minority groups, to disengage and seek camaraderie in gangs, often for protection in crime-ridden areas. When something goes terribly wrong in society, it is normal for people to be frustrated angered, or even motivated to express their discontent. Peaceful protests and demonstrations have been used to do this over the centuries. Seldom, however, have peaceful protests remained that way. There are always those of lesser character who, unable to control their emotions, will seek to protest through violence. Many in society, depending on their background and beliefs, may protest on issues related to the environment, women's rights, racial matters such as Black Lives Matter, and a host of others. They feel they are contributing to a greater good by showing up at marches and demonstrations. Few among the protesters, however, really understand they are often the unwitting pawns in a much bigger game. 
We will examine some of these movements in more detail when we return. But first, I would like to offer you an opportunity to order a copy of our free DVD, The Collapse of World Order. This DVD contains three Tomorrow's World programs which highlight some significant problem areas for our current society. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. Call the number on your screen and ask for your free copy of The Collapse of World Order or order online at TWCanada.org. This DVD contains three eye-opening Tomorrow's World telecasts, The War on Patriarchy, Man's Need for Purpose, and The Collapse of World Order. All present information vital to understanding where our world is headed. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching and I will be back to give it again. We live in a time when many are seeking change in society through protests organized by various movements. What is the reality behind these popular movements? Let us take a look at a few of the major social justice movements and see how their objectives line up with what the average supporters think they are supporting. Feminism and Women's Liberation Movements The first wave of these movements, led in Canada by Emily Murphy of the Famous Five, had as their goal not just the recognition of women as voters, but also, as pointed out by researcher Diane Watts, to liberate women from the need to work outside the home and to be free to raise and care for their family. You can watch our interview with Ms. Watts on the history of feminism at the YouTube channel for Tomorrow's World Viewpoint. The second wave of feminism had very different objectives. It was to liberate women from the home and erode a family relationship, deconstruct the existing social order, and end the concept of patriarchy. This is part of the social deconstruction philosophy articulated by German philosopher Martin Heidegger. The stated goal is equality, but the actions betray a different objective. Dr. Theresa Ebert, in an essay written for College English in the United Kingdom, wrote the following. Contemporary feminism, in its most productive sense, is a cultural critique and practice of social change that seeks to transform those relations of power, namely patriarchy, which are left largely undefined and even concealed by all other theories of society and movements for social change, including classical Marxism. Clearly, the current version of feminism is about the destruction of the old social order of the traditional family, an institution that has been the linchpin of social stability throughout human history. Their first big movement in the 1960s was to legitimize oral contraception and to promote abortion, so promiscuity would not have any inhibiting results. As Diane Watts points out, modern feminism has a goal to force women into the workplace. This is what the organizers are pushing with their women's rights marches. It is perhaps more than interesting that the Bible made a prediction of one of the conditions that would be extant at the end of the age among the descendants of Israel. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. O my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. Gender redefinition. 
No one has not heard of gay rights or trans rights or other expressions of the LGBTQ movements. On the surface, it always appears that these folks are simply looking for the right to do what they want without problems from police or loss of jobs, etc. Many participate in marches just for that purpose alone and see no other agenda except to live peacefully. But to those behind some of the marches, it can be much more. In virtually all of North America, members of the LGBT communities have already achieved legal protection and support. Many in the community are content, but some seem to want a more radical change. Demands go past acceptance, seeking the affirmation of a variety of practices regardless of an individual's culture or religious perspective. The expression of a polite but dissenting opinion is sought to be criminalized. In the U.S., gender activists have sought full implementation of the Equality Act. Ostensibly, it seems a fair request, but many fear the literal interpretation of the Act goes beyond simple equality by creating special privileges based on gender orientation and identity. It can defeat any state law that provides for freedom of religious expression, especially if that religious expression is contrary to a popular view. Sarah Kramer of the Alliance for Defending Freedom makes this comment on the Equality Act. The Equality Act would regulate speech, forcing certain beliefs and ideas out of the public square under the threat of punishment. Specifically, those who believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, or that there is a distinction between the sexes would, in too many circumstances, no longer be permitted to speak or act consistently with those beliefs. Even worse, the Equality Act would force individuals to speak messages that contradict their beliefs. Thus, people who sincerely protest on a matter may in fact be supporting a larger agenda with which they would not agree, in fact contributing to a diminishment of the rights of both freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Black Lives Matter. This group seems to have a legitimate and meaningful purpose, to seek equal and fair treatment and opportunity for those they represent in society. No one would be able to argue with that. In fact, that purpose is biblically sound in many ways. Those who march with them in good faith believe this is what they are demonstrating for, but perhaps they have not read the Black Lives Matter website. The website Black Lives Matter, while espousing many much-needed reforms and the establishment of fair and just treatment for all, with which all reasonable people must agree, also includes statements with which many who march with them would not agree. Here is one example. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. The website speaks openly about dismantling the biblically-based patriarchal structure. Thus, while the organization on one hand stands for much-needed reform and respect for people of African descent, 
It also is aligned with others seeking to uproot many traditional biblical values and family structure. These movements and many other organizations appear linked in a common effort to destroy an existing society and rebuild one on a Marxist model, which will have as one of its victims Bible-based belief. Our free DVD, The Collapse of World Order, features three Tomorrow's World telecasts which go into great detail on the current war on the patriarchy, as well as the results of losing sight of the true purpose of life. Order your free copy today. To request your free copy of this DVD, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for The Collapse of World Order. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked what is going on in our world today? Or what does the future hold for me? We answer these questions and more in our magazine, Tomorrow's World. It's also yours free of charge. Don't wait. Call or visit us online to get your free copy of The Collapse of World Order and Tomorrow's World magazine. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. Welcome back. We've seen the desired result behind some of today's most influential movements and protests. Now let's look at the very concept of protesting. Protest movements create a mass psychology, a kind of mob mentality that suddenly disconnects from the original motivation. Masses of people think it's a popular event and want to be a part of it, sometimes having little real understanding of the issue or may have many differing understandings about what is being protested. Sometimes, when mob mentality comes into play, protesters can be easily manipulated by a very good speaker. There are many examples of this in history. But what has been the result of the protests? Is it a help, really? Voice of America, or VOA, published an examination of the economic impact of recent riots in the United States. The findings are clear from the title. Economic damage from civil unrest may persist for decades. While the rage caused by the inexcusable death of Mr. Floyd is understandable, the resulting protests may well harm many of the participants and their families the most. Activists hidden among sincere protesters plan for riots bringing in loads of bricks, even Molotov cocktails for use against police and businesses. The aforementioned article explains that one of the consequences of this disruption is a major depression in property values in areas where the riots occurred. The ensuing decline in economic activity in those areas can take 20 years to recover, as was the case in the 1992 riots in Los Angeles. Sometimes a polite but collective voice is necessary to bring attention to a just cause, but it should never be at the expense of other people's safety or livelihood. In June 2020, we saw a group of anarchists seemingly with no strong connection to any of these other issues be literally allowed to take over a significant sector in the city of Seattle, almost with the approval of the mayor and council. 
the economic losses to the local businesses, to the employees of those businesses, and all of the tax contribution they would make was ignored by authorities and anarchy was allowed to reign in the name of protest. Officials were fearful to forcibly remove a band of thugs and renegades who made no positive contribution to society and who were destroying the lives of just citizens. When a nation despises the laws that lead to happiness and prosperity, corruption and disorder are inevitable. There is a prophecy about the modern descendants of the nation of Israel at the time of the end, when they are to fall from a position of great power and wealth. Perhaps we are seeing the beginning of this today. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way, in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore tumult shall arise among your people, and all your fortresses shall be plundered, as Shalman plundered Beth Arbel in the day of battle. At dawn the king of Israel shall be cut off utterly. It seems from verse 14 that God considers riots in the cities a bad thing. So what would be God's advice as to how people should react if they disagree with the approach of those in power, with a government policy or practice? This is a serious question and there are many possible answers. Some would say demonstrate, protest, refuse to obey, maybe even riot. But what should be the approach of one who claims to follow a code of principles such as that of the biblically based Christian? The writings that we know today as the Bible were compiled over a period of 1500 years. What is called the Old Testament was completed about 500 BC and the New Testament was written at a time when the Jewish nation was dealing with a loss of sovereignty to Roman authority. Thus between AD 31 and AD 95 there were many questions asked by Jews who had accepted the Christian faith about how God would have them deal with that situation. Should they protest? Should they revolt? There were many in their society encouraging them to do so as Roman rule was applied more thoroughly and perhaps more vigorously. Some did indeed revolt and brought a great war to the region that ended disastrously for the Jews. The early leaders of the faith would have been questioned by their followers about the proper course of action. The Roman authorities under Nero were abusive and excessively cruel. Those who had been taught by Christ personally provided the answer. It may not have been the answer that people wanted to hear, but it would lead to the best long-term result. What ultimately causes conflict between peoples? We look for reasons, but in reality there is one who is responsible, one whom we ignore at our peril. Some intellectual honesty and common sense combined with objective science will show that this universe and life on earth is not a random spontaneous event. It is rather a consequence of divine intervention, intervention by a creator with a plan and a special plan for man. Alas, there is also a rebellious being who revolted against the God who made him and has become his adversary. He seeks to destroy mankind at every opportunity. The Bible speaks of this rebellious being and warns that he is a powerful spirit of deception on the earth. 
So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Satan influences mankind to reject the law of God, which was given as an instruction in achieving successful and happy life. He influences the development of philosophies and religions to reject the one way that will lead to peace. Indeed, Satan often leads people to try and suppress those who are dedicated to following the way of life that God ordained. In Scripture, Christ and the Apostles refer to Satan as the ruler or God of this world. Yet the Bible also teaches that he will eventually, actually sooner than you may think, be removed from the presence of man. To the cultures that have been spawned throughout the world, God's laws often seem inappropriate or opposite to human logic. Yet they bring good results, and God will back up those who submit to those laws. So when we hear of an abuse or an atrocity, should we as a follower of the true God express our anger by joining a protest? To many, God's instruction in this matter seems foolish. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The words of Christ himself echo this statement. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Rather than protest and be caught up in the hate-filled and destructive spirit of their age, the apostles were inspired to provide direct advice to the early church at a time when the spirit of protest and rebellion was in the air against Rome. The apostle Peter gave this admonition to those who would truly follow the teachings of the Bible. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The Apostle Paul, who projected the message of Christianity to non-Jews, gave similar advice. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. From the Bible, it is very clear that a follower of God should not be involved in protests or stand in opposition to government, but put issues before God in prayer, that he may guide the decisions of those who are in positions of authority to rule for the benefit of all. We are to pray that rulers will be given wisdom to allow us to live a peaceful and prosperous life it is our personal responsibility to be hardworking, productive, and law-abiding citizens, which, if we do, we will grow in favor with both God and man. This is how a true Christian responds to government. Thank you for watching, and please join us next week when Gerald Weston, Michael Haykoop, and I will bring more news and encouraging perspectives from tomorrow's world.
To learn more, visit www.twcanada.org. You can also request today's offer by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to Tomorrow's World, PO Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M 0P6. With this offer, you will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living a successful life while providing insight into current and future events. You can watch this and many more Tomorrow's World telecasts at our website or by subscribing to Tomorrow's World on YouTube. Visit us online or call 1-866-784-7895. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.